that desire sometimes can be selfish in and of itself, which is kind of strange. Um, can you skip this slide? Because I took it out and now it's there. Go to more and it'll full screen it. Okay. Can you click it again? I did not plan this very well. <laughs> Anyways, um, last summer I went to China, which was a really unique opportunity, and I was scared because I've never, I had never been in, like, traveled anywhere, and it was kind of, it was through my school, and I felt very conflicted the whole time. Everything fell into place perfectly for my trip to China. I fought against it a lot because I was like, there, why would I go to China? And it seemed kind of selfish. My mom, as I grew up, read me a lot of missionary stories about China, and I thought, like, I was fascinated with the culture and with the people, but I didn't really understand why I would just go to China, (laughs) but I did, and it all fell into place, and I have a picture on the next slide of a bunch of my friends that I met in China, and I had some interesting opportunities. I think I really realized at that point in my life that Jesus isn't just in America, which is really obvious, but a lot of times I think we get, we're so minded in our own culture that we forget that God is like everywhere and not just with us. And people in other countries are Christians who worship God, who like tell other people about God and who have a very real faith. And I think a lot of times I get stuck in this mindset where, well, we know about God, but we have to go like tell these people because they'll never have another chance to hear about him except for us. But there are Christian communities all over the world. And so I was able to attend church in China, which it was a really unique and special opportunity. And I'll never forget that because I took communion in China and I cried the entire time because all I could think was I never realized, like, there's something that seems very holy about being in another country and you're, you've never like you think about China and you don't think about God. You think about little girls with bound feet and communism and Christians being tortured, but you don't think about like a church where you gather together with a group of believers and you take communion together. And that was a very special opportunity for me. And I really appreciated it. Can you go to the next slide? I didn't really understand that why I went to China at all. And so I came back home and I was left with this feeling of like, I did this whole thing, and I felt like I was supposed to go, and I didn't, like, know why, and I really like to know why a lot of times, (laughs) so when I do something, I want, I mean, I want that feeling, like, I want to know why, and I think life is just like that in general. We do things, and we're just like, I want to know why I did this. I felt like I was supposed to, and it was cool, but I just don't know why, and I had this is a long story, and I won't tell all of it, but these two girls came to the U.S. through to my school, and they came home with me, and God worked in a, like, in an incredible way, and it's, you can, I can tell you the story later, because it's long, and, <laughs> but it really assured me of God's power, and the way he works in these ways, where he, like, I felt like I was supposed to go to China, and I didn't know why, and then I went, and I came back, and I didn't know why, and then these girls came home with me, and this really cool thing happened that I think just shows how intricate God's plan can be and how just really, really cool. So if you could go to the next slide. After that, and then push it again real fast, I went to Thailand. And in Thailand, it was very different from China. I was one week, and all I did was look at statues of Buddha. They 
look at a lot of statues that worship Buddha and they're everywhere. And so it was this, it was a, through these streets and I'm seeing these temples and there's these people and they're burning money and like they don't have anything anyways but they're burning money to Buddha and they'll tell you that Buddha's a zero and I don't know what that means to them but they'll say Buddha's nothing and he's everything and I didn't understand but at that time in my life I realized that like Buddha there's people all over the world who don't know Jesus so I went from this Going to China and then being like, whoa, there's church in China. And, I mean, I knew that, but I didn't know that. And I got to participate that in, in that to going to Thailand where I didn't have it. I mean, I'm sure there's churches in Thailand, but I didn't have any opportunity to see that. And so all I did was see these people, and they're just worshiping Buddha all day. And it's like it was very – it felt so hopeless to me because even – I talked to our tour guide about it, and she was explaining Buddhism a little bit to me, and there was no no hope, and I felt very sad. <laughs> like There should be hope, and there's not. And so I got this double perspective, like there is church in China, and Jesus' is, God is universal, even though I know that, but I, it's very it's hard to grasp sometimes. And then I go to Thailand where I didn't see any any sign of God at all, even like I know he's there, but it seemed very dark to me. Um, can you go to the next slide? And there's a picture of Buddha, and he's everywhere over there. And that's the Buddha that you see. It's not the big, fat, laughing guy who looks really jolly. Okay, can you go to the next slide? There's a lot of slides. Okay, and can you click it again? I went back home this summer, and a, there was a girl in that video I showed you at the beginning, and her name is Brittany. And when I was a freshman in college, I like didn't have friends yet because I was a freshman in college and my I was hanging out with the RAs because they're like paid to be your friend and so (laughs) my friend Amanda was like what she really is my friend now but (laughs) she was like why don't you go upstairs and meet these people like Brittany and Aaron and them because they're really fun so I go up there and I start talking to them and we became really good friends and it didn't take very long for Brittany to say I'm going to be a missionary in Romania, and as soon as I graduate, I'm going to move there. And I don't really know how it's going to work out, but I've known since I was 13 that this is what God wanted me to do with my life, and that's all I'm going to do. And so I always knew Brittany was going to move to Romania and live there for the rest of her life, but she became my closest, like, that year. And the next year, we we became, like, really good friends. And when you hear about something so much, to love it, even if you've never been there. And so I was interested in going to Romania, and all of a sudden I found out this opportunity about it through the Virginia Baptist Mission Board, and I applied, and I was like, this is an awesome idea, and it makes a lot of sense to go to Romania because Brittany's there, and I've heard about it, and there's something I can do there, and it's a mission trip, and it'll be awesome. But everything didn't work. Like, it was the opposite of China. Like, I felt like there was a really good reason for me to go, and nothing worked out. And with China, I felt like there wasn't a good reason for me to go, and everything worked out. And so with Romania, I was like, I don't even know what to do. And I felt very, like, I was at this point about two and a half weeks before I left where I wasn't going to go to Romania. I had complete, like, I was, I told Brittany, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come, maybe another year, maybe another time, but I don't think this is right and nothing's working. But that didn't actually happen. So I started I started praying, on sun, and I prayed a little bit, and I was pretty anxious, and I'd given up, and 
I've really, this verse has been really valuable to me my whole life, and I'm going to read it, and it's on the screen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I didn't feel peace about Romania, really. I just felt really agitated. I would pray, and I would just feel agitated. And I would think about it, and I'd be like, that is, that it doesn't work, and it's not going to work. And I didn't know what to do. And so I started praying on Sunday, and I felt like this idea popped into my head. And I was like, what if I go to Romania in May? And this is like, like May felt like tomorrow because it was, you know, two weeks away, two and a half weeks away or whatever that I ended up leaving from. So I was like, that's crazy. But I called Brittany, and she was like, actually, that would be great. And the mission board contacted me a week later and told me that would be great, too. And, like, everything everything worked out, and it was really incredible. Could you go to the next slide? I have some verses I want to read as I go. So um, I'm going to read you this verse. And we know that to all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. I did not feel like everything was going to work out and all that like turmoil and being like I'm not gonna go I am gonna go then all of a sudden deciding I was gonna go in like two weeks and all of that was kind of stressful beforehand because I didn't know what was going to happen but that not knowing allowed me to have this opportunity to really see how God can orchestrate things. And it was a time of great faith for me. Can you go to the next verse, please? Um, This verse, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I had this time of faith. And it was probably, I do not always have a lot of faith. I'm not very good at it very much. But at this point in my life, I had so much faith. Like sometimes I think about it and I'm like, I wish I could have that much faith again because it was awesome. But I just, I knew, I knew that it was all going to work out. And I came and I talked to you all about it. And I was blessed, like you all blessed me so much and helped me achieve that. But I knew it was going to work out. Like I wasn't even that worried about it. I was like, it'll be fine. Somehow there will be enough money for me to go to Romania and somehow my plane ticket's going to get booked and it's, it's all going to work out. Like I just, I've never, it was very surreal to feel that knowing like that purpose and that direction and being like, this is definitely what I'm supposed to do. And even though I have no idea how this could possibly work out, I know it will. (laughs) And that was, very, it's a very special memory, but I, I don't know how the, it was a Jesus and not me because I usually do not have that kind of faith at all. So <laughs> that was a really, really cool opportunity. So then I ended up going to Romania, and you can push the next slide and then push it again because I've made an arrow. Because, I don't know why. And then push it again. <laughs> so I got to Romania, and this is my friend Brittany and I, and we're like on a boat, but I already told you about Brittany. But this is just who she is and she was just this girl I met in college and she was really smart and good at everything and she the thing about Brittany is she could do probably anything in the world that she wanted to do like she could have done anything she's very driven she's very smart and she's very like she's motivated and she could have been like any she could have done anything but she always knew she wanted to go to Romania and so she's over there right now and she lives in a school that's and she works with 
kids. And so I've always, I think that's so cool that she's been able, she knows what God wants her to do, but she did it. Like she left everything and moved to Romania and God's placed that on her heart. So I went to like to work with Project Ruth and with her. And Brittany, since I, we were really good friends, she told me I could stay with her, which usually they have a dorm, but I stayed with her. And I think one of the reasons God wanted me to go there was for Brittany because Brittany is alone. She doesn't, there are, there's another missionary couple, but she lives by herself in a school and she doesn't have very many American friends. And if any of you have traveled, you know that there are times when you just need American culture. Like you need to be able to talk to someone who knows what the civil war is and you need to be able to just use your language freely and not worry that someone's going to tell you that, if you say love in Romania, you're like, I love coffee. They'll be like, we don't say we love things. We only say we love people, which is probably a really good way to be, but I can't stop saying that I love things all the time. And so it gets very frustrating when you're like, I just I just love this day. It's so beautiful. And they're like, you can't love this day because it's not a person. So we would just say we really like, and I know that, but I can't. <laughs> and so for Brittany, sometimes things like that is exhausting. And sometimes, she, and I think, I mean, I just think it just helped to have somebody there that she didn't have to worry about, I don't know, like how she spoke or what she did. And I could just be there for her and just be there. So that was one reason I think that I went, even though it sounds like, I don't know, not that exciting. If you can go to the next picture. So these are some pictures of Ferentar, which is where we lived. Ferentar is the poorest neighborhood in Bucharest. It used to say this on Wikipedia, and someone removed it, but it used to say, like, Ferentar, the neighborhood where no one wants to live, and it <laughs> which I guess is not something that should be on Wikipedia because they took it off. But it's known for drugs and mobs, violence, and all sorts of terrible things. But it was we were fine. So in, in, Romania, in Ferentar... Um, there are a lot, or in Bucharest in general, there's a lot of stray dogs. In 1989, communism fell, but before that, they were under communism. And there was this guy named, dictator named Ceausescu, and Ceausescu would tear down people's, people live in these little villas with courtyards where they would keep their dog. And so Ceausescu was like, you need to all live in block apartments because that's a good idea. And so he tore down their courtyards and they couldn't have their dog anymore. And so their dogs just went into the street and made more dogs. And now Bucharest has a quarter million dogs in the city that are strays. So everywhere you go, you usually see the same stray dogs every day because they stay in the same place. But you don't walk anywhere without seeing stray dogs. It's So they're everywhere. And that is a dog that hung out near where we would walk by every day. And that day it was cold, so it was in a box. You can't pet them. You can't go to Romania and be like, I want to be nice to this dog because it needs to be petted. It will bite your hand off. They don't like you. <laughs> they might want your food, but they don't want your love. So Brittany's always like, and all the Romanians are like, don't even look at the dogs. One day, Stefan, who's a translator, told me not to gaze at them. Said, don't gaze at that dog, it will bite you. <laughs> Which I thought was funny, because usually we talk about stargazing, not dog gazing. Um, right, the picture on the right is the from the rooftop of the school. Fair and tar, like, all the houses aren't bad. Like, 
there are nice, nicer places, but there are also not as nice places. There's a lot of trash. Brittany had a window in her house, and you would look at it. No matter what time it was in the day, there's this big, like a parking lot with a dumpster in the middle. And, like, trash is, like, all over the parking lot. And every day, like, it doesn't matter what time, there's always someone digging through that trash. Always. Like, there's... It's just maybe not in the middle of the night, but like in the daytime, there will be someone digging through that trash and they can sell the bottles and things for food and buy, you know, a loaf of bread or whatever. But that's it's just like that. Sometimes you'll drive down the street and you'll just see these piles of trash. You'll see trash on the road. I was going to take a picture one day and the Romanians were like, don't make our city look bad. Don't take a picture of the bad stuff. So I didn't. But (laughs) it's just. That's just part of life. Brittany lives, the Ruth, Project Ruth is in, connected to this church called Providence Baptist Church. And so, like, half is the church and half is Project Ruth, the organization. And there's, like, dorm rooms for mission teams to stay in. And there's a kindergarten, preschool area and just different things. So we would walk from Project Ruth or the Ruth School to the Project Ruth Center a lot. And there were these two kids named Robert and Andre who lived there. And they liked to play tag and some other games, <laughs> like Uno. And this side. So first they get to Romania, we sit on the sidewalk and just play Uno for a long time. That's how I learned some colors that I already forgot. They also like to play this game where you put your hands down and they just hit you until you flinch and then you lose <laughs> and then you can play. At first I was like, I'm not going to hit this kid hard, but after a while you just, you just slap him. <laughs> They're, they are really funny, and they're crazy. They're not little angels. Like, people, they're street kids. They are, they will be crazy sometimes. They won't listen to you all the time, but they're really sweet, and you can't help but love them anyways. And that's Andre. Andre's Robert's cousin, who I'll show you a picture of in a minute, and he really liked to play tag, and he really liked to race me, and he really liked it when he could run faster than me. So that is him running. Could you go to the next picture? This is Robert, who he's eight years old, and he's in first grade at the Ruth School, which you kind of realize that eight is kind of old for first grade. Um, In the Ruth School, they don't have a lot of limitations on age. It's just sort of your skill level. So if you're able to be, you could be, you know, you could be 15 years old and be in first grade, which they don't have any 15-year-olds in first grade right now. But being able to read and write and do basic math is so important. You can do a lot more if you graduate, but just that opportunity to learn those basic skills makes you so much more able to function on your own. You don't have to worry about a lot. Like, you're able to do more things. I mean, just imagine how much just being able to read and write and do math allows you to do. So they will allow older kids to be in class, but Robert's not that old. One of the reasons Robert is in first grade still is that his mother got cancer in January or something or I don't know but she was sick for a long time and Brittany loves Robert is Brittany's child she loves him so much and she always like her mom will be in America and she'll be like there's a sale on little boy sweaters that old navy I'm gonna pick Robert up some and they'll bring him clothes like they've just kind of Robert's just their child but (laughs) Robert's mom was sick, and Brittany would always say, Robert, why aren't you in school? You need to be at school, da-da-da. And Robert's like, I can't go to school. I'm sick. I have to take care of my mom. Well, Brittany, you know, she just thinks he's a kid trying to skip class. It goes on and on and on. And then one day someone, uh, it wasn't Robert, but somebody else told her 
that Robert's mom had died of cancer, and she'd had cancer, and Robert had been her primary caregiver that whole time. And so his dad worked, and his brother, who's, I don't know, like 13, was working. And then you have Robert, who's at home, taking care of his mom. And so she died. And Brittany said after she died, he just she went over and saw Robert. And he said, Robert, she, she said, Brittany, my mom's dead. Can we just play soccer now? And he just wanted to be a kid again and live his life. So it's kind of a heart-wrenching story. It is a heart-wrenching story. But Robert is a fun kid, and he loves to play outside, and he always wants to play soccer. And we have – he – they live right beside the church. So every time you walk to the church, you see Robert and Andre and maybe Johnny or Alex or just some, you know, some other kids. And they just still play. They'll say – they always call Brittany – in Romania, ba is like, hey. Ba is like the everything word, but they use it for hey a lot. So they'll always be like, ba Brittany, ba Brittany, ba Brittany. So all the time you hear that. They're always like, they always want candy. They always want, Robert loves milk. We don't think he gets to drink it a lot. So whenever, Brittany's always like, I just want to give him all the milk that I can. And so that's just one of the examples of a Ruth School student that we got to work with. And he's a neat, he's he's really fun. <laughs> Can you go to the next picture, please? This is Banana Kid. I don't even actually know Banana's Kid's real name. Brittany knows all their names, so I don't. But we always refer to him as Banana Kid because of this picture. He is so funny. One of the first days, they get out of school in Romania at, like, between 12 and 1. And at the school, they get a hot lunch with a piece of fruit, and then afterwards they'll, like, hang out for a little while. So I went out there, and Brittany was like, this kid hates it when you unzip his jacket. And so you'd walk up to him, and you'd unzip it. And he thought it was, he would zip it right back up, and he thought it was so funny. And so you'd just walk up to him, and you'd just unzip it, and he'd be like, he'd zip it back. And then we started playing tag, and I had so much fun with him. He was so precious. And every time I saw him, I just, like, try to unzip his jacket a little and he'd just smile at me and zip it back up and they were just really fun and sometimes we would get in trouble with the teachers because we'd go out there and we'd be playing and making all this racket and the teachers would be like they have to come in now because they have breaks in between classes too so then we'd be like oh sorry we didn't mean to (laughs) but we the kids are really they love to play and they love to just be loved and have their picture taken they if you have a camera, they're just like, take a picture of me, take a picture of me, take a picture of me. It's really cool to them. And so he's just another kid that we just love. The Roo School also offers dental care and some basic, you know, physicals and things like that. Most of the kids are, are missing teeth. They don't have – they're poor and they don't have access to good dental, dental care. So the Roo School, at least every day they brush their teeth and they learn about taking care of them. But a lot of times you'll see kids whose teeth are rotting. Can you go to the next picture, please? A lot. This is me painting, but a lot of what I did in Romania was not exciting. And I think sometimes, like, I wanted to do something. Ex- like, there was this part of me that's like, I want to do something and, like, be really needed. But sometimes, like, it took me a little while, but I realized that sometimes what's needed is just whatever there is to do. So sometimes I painted a lot, and sometimes, like, I just would paint and I'd be like I've been painting this for forever and it's just going to get dirty again <laughs> and you just paint forever and so I painted a lot I washed a ton of dishes 
and I mopped the floor, and I did things like that. But I was, like, I think once I got past the wanting to do something really cool, <laughs> I was just, I was really happy to wash dishes. I think I could be, still be over there washing dishes and be happy. Uh, but I would just, you know, just do whatever's needed because that's sometimes what God calls you to do. And that was, like, a neat thing for me. One thing I did that I don't have a picture of, I went to this little village called Bolentine. And what a group of teenagers from Providence Baptist Church goes to this gypsy village that's maybe 40 minutes away from where the church is. And so you go out into this gypsy village and, like, they do this Bible study. Well, Stefan is, like, a translator who works at the Ruth School a lot, and he's Brittany's friend. He There's three translators that will just come over and she'll fix them dinner and whatever. So Stefan came up took me because to meet them and Brittany didn't go because there wasn't enough room in the car and he said Lydia will you do a bible like will you tell the bible story and I was like yeah I'll tell the bible story it won't be a big deal well then like I'm in the car and they're like do you have this do you have this and I had it on and they asked me if I had questions to ask about the story afterwards and I didn't but I thought how hard can it be to think of questions on the spot and I also had a cold so I wasn't thinking that well anyways we get there I did the worst job anyone has ever done telling a Bible story in their whole life. It was terrible. I stood up there. I couldn't think of a single question to ask the kids, and I just stood there. The And I just thought these Romanians would do a much better job than me. But <laughs> I think, and after that, I was kind of discouraged because I'd gone into this, I'd wanted to, do something, and I'd gone to this village, and I'd done a terrible job, and I'd wanted to do a good job, and I tried to do a good job, and I did an an awful job, and I tried to, I didn't really know what I was doing, I simplified my Bible story way too much, afterwards they were like, you forgot this part, (laughs) and so it was kind of, like, I didn't do a good job, but I also, I got to see Bolentine, which is this village, and it was really cool, because this girl, like, Her name was Andrea or something. She is, I don't know, maybe my age, and she goes has been going to this village for a couple of years. And so she's like, come with me while I go get the kids to come to the church. And the church is a building, like, really, really little, and it smells weird. And it's just just a tiny building with really old pews in it. And so we go down the street, and we see, we'll just kind of wave the kids. And they run out, and they just give her the biggest hug you've ever seen in your life. And so she walks out, and she'll be like, She'll stop by house, and she'll say their name, and she'll say, come on. And so we're walking down the street, and all these kids start following us. And so we have this, like, train of children, and I'm just standing there because I can't speak any Romanian, really. So I don't know what to do. But we just walk down the street, and all these kids start following us. And it was it was really cool. And then I kept thinking, like, even though I did was not very good and didn't know really know what I was doing at all, and... I got this opportunity to see people working in a community that's close to them and just going and doing. And I think sometimes we forget, like, there's stuff right around us. And these girls and Stefan were, like, they just went out there and they had this whole program and they were young. And it was really, I thought it was cool for me because that's it's not separated from their life. It is their life. It's not like we're going to go do a mission trip and do something for a month. They're like, we're going to go every Sunday and do this program for these kids. And they're, the kids there, they're 
they're poor and they don't have a lot. And so almost every kid in that whole village will come to this Bible study because they're, there's not a lot else to do. And sometimes they'll have snacks. We didn't have them that day. But, like, they told me that when there is food, the kids just keep coming and coming because there isn't a lot. And so it's really valuable to them. Can you go to the next picture, please? I took graduation gowns over to Romania, and they, Brittany kept thinking the kids were going to hate having to wear those gowns and roll their eyes and be really like, I have to wear this graduation gown, like you would think 14, 15, 16-year-olds would do. They were so happy. They thought it was the coolest thing in the world to wear these gowns. They were smiling and taking goofy pictures and... Stefan was like, I'm going to send my kids to the Ruth School one day so that they can wear graduation gowns when they finish eighth grade. (laughs) And it was really fun. And it was special. And it was so special to see them feel special. They were, they thought, because they have finished eighth grade, which is a huge deal for these kids because no one makes them go to school. They don't have a place to study at home. They don't have things that we take for granted, like you have to go to school. You have to do your homework. You have to do all this stuff. Education isn't valued. They don't have a good educational role model, and it's just a very different environment. So it was really special to see how happy, like they were so happy, and so that was really cool. Can you go to the next slide, please? When I was in Romania, it just decided to rain the entire time, and it rained, I would think I was there four weeks, and it rained three of them. I... We, me and Brittany made up a song in Romanian, and it, it's Rain, Rain, Go Away, but it's Ploia, Ploia, Plekadaich, Plekadaich, which is Rain, Rain, Go Away, and that's probably terrible Romanian, but you all don't know Romanian, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> but the Romanians would just roll their eyes. They'd be like, Lydia and Brittany are singing that song again. But Robert's there, and he would always take our umbrella and play with it, and he always wanted to take our picture. He took the picture in the upper left-hand corner. He loved to take pictures. Robert probably once would love to be a photographer or something because he just grabs your camera and just takes pictures of everything and he thinks it's the best thing ever he doesn't even want to be in pictures he just wants to take the pictures which is pretty pretty unique can you go to the next slide please this little the little girl on the left's name is alexandra and Brittany did this one day Brittany had they wanted to make a video with using her, and so she had to practice all these lines to say. And so I helped her practice the lines, and then she, we just I got to spend a lot of time with this little girl, and she was really precious. And one day we painted her fingernails, and I kept thinking she'll never forget this, like that somebody took the time to paint their fingernails. The Roma community is really discriminated against, and they don't get a lot of – It's it's a hard – thing to understand for me because I'm not used to that kind of discrimination but they don't like it's almost like they think they're dirty and they're not as good and they like don't want to sit in the same seat someone there was a lady we had to buy all this they she bought all these new dishes and we're like why did you buy those new dishes and she said because we can't serve people food off of food that Roma people have eaten off of and that's in the organization like the discrimination is so hard for them to separate themselves from because it's very cultural and it's very hard. And not everyone's like that, but there are these, it's just so hard for them to separate. And that was really strange to me. But I felt she was so happy to have her nails painted and it was a really cool thing. Can you get to the next slide? 
Um, there was a celebration called the 20th celebration, and each of these pictures will just zoom. So can you zoom into the first picture? The, one of the main reasons I was there was there was this huge celebration where Project Ruth had been open 20 years, and all the people who had helped were going to come. And so we did we made like a scrapbook timeline, and we cleaned a lot. And Brittany and Tammy's a missionary there, and she, everyone was so stressed out. And it was I was like not in my heart. I kind of got a bad attitude because I just kept thinking like everyone's so stressed out and it's not that big. Like this is about the kids and I don't understand all these people who are coming here. And so I helped and I did whatever, but I was like, I don't understand. Like this is, why is everyone stressed out and why is it a big deal? And, but everyone, like they were really stressed out and I didn't completely understand the, like what it was that we were even doing. I was just, you know, helping and I think this is one of the main reasons I went there because I've never seen Brittany that stressed out and Tammy was really stressed out. And sometimes I would just run and pick up something they forgot. And like, it was, it's wouldn't, it wasn't that big of a deal for me, but if they had had to leave what they were doing and go pick up, I don't know, whatever they forgot, it would have been a big problem. Can you go to the next slide, please? This is just some pictures from the celebration. And I met some really cool people who, were very influential and very dedicated to God, and it was that was a really neat thing. So you can just click through these. I feel like I'm taking a lot of time. So um, can you go to the next one? These are just different people. That guy is the president of CBF or something, and he met Mother Teresa, and he told me about meeting Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa is my hero, and so I had, like, met him, and I was like, whatever, hey. And then he was like, yeah, I met Mother Teresa one time, and I was – like that was like whoa someone really met mother Teresa, (laughs) and that was a cool story you can go to the next one um this is at the end of the celebration and those were just all the people who came in and all the people who helped not everybody everybody but i talked to a lot of them and just had these really in-depth conversations about their what they did for Jesus. And it was like, I got to meet all these heroes of Christianity and just all these people who are like, I, you know, I had started this organization and one day I did this and this is how God affects my life. And it was just so cool. Can you go to the next one? Okay. Um, I feel like, am I out of time? It's fine. Okay. After we went to, after the celebration, Brittany was like, we need to get away. So we crashed someone else's mission trip. Um, we just went, and we went to this town called Shigishwar, and we just participated in their mission trip for a weekend because she needed to get away from Bucharest, and so we just went. And we met this one of her friends. His name is George because she used to go to this town a lot. And he, we got there too late to go to church, but he took a picture and put it on Facebook and said we skipped church for coffee. And Brittany was like, don't do that. But he did anyways. Can you go to the next picture? Um, We went to this village called Arkita. It was the first time I had ever experienced rural poverty, which is a lot more complicated than urban poverty. Over across Eastern Europe, there's these little villages, and they have, like, people in them who who are really poor, like, and they don't have access to things. Like in urban poverty, you build a school and you say, if you don't have enough money, you can come to our school. But in rural rural poverty, they're in the middle of nowhere. There's not access to health care. There's not access to, like, a grocery store. There's not, it's a completely different situation. People my age had four or five kids. 
the women are this tall. Like a lot of the women are like this three or four, like four feet tall. No, no taller than that at all. And these kids are just there. So these pictures will zoom into. So if you can just click, that's kind of just a picture of what it looks like. You can go to the next one. And that's another picture. Just The town's really rustic and beautiful, but it's kind of weird. That's a little girl. Go to the next one. These children, that little girl, I had, we were inside making sandwiches, and then afterwards we went outside to play with the kids. And I picked that little girl up and held her, and she would not let go of me. And all these kids, like you'd have four or five kids. There were a lot of kids, like over 100. And they would just surround you and, like, hug you so tight, and they wouldn't want to let go of you. And... It's kind of a combination. I think that they don't get a lot of attention because, you know, they're in a huge family and their parents are exhausted and they don't have a lot. But at the same time, Brittany also said we're Americans, so that's kind of like being a movie star. (laughs) Like, it's very, they see Americans on TV, but they don't ever see them in real life. So there was a kind of dual situation. Can you get to the next picture? I don't know this little boy's name, but in Romania... To Christians, you don't say, hey, you say pace, which means peace. And this little boy would walk up to you, and he would go, pace, and he would give you the biggest hug you've ever gotten in your life. And it melted your heart, because these people are so poor, and they don't have anything. And this little boy is just walking around going, pace, and giving you the hugest hug ever. And it kind of broke your heart and made you really happy, even though you're sad. I don't know. But it was precious. Can you go to the next picture? And that's just us making sandwiches. We gave everyone a sandwich and an apple who came to the Bible club we did. Okay, go to the next one. That's me and that little girl, and she just held me, and I held her, and it was, and I loved her a lot. <laughs> Can you go to the next picture? Um, after that, we, me and Brittany had the opportunity. Shiggy Shore is a neat town, and so it's, like, it's the only, it has the only functioning citadel still in Europe, and so we got to walk around that, and it was really cool, and those are just some pictures of that. Next slide, please. Um, the last days we were in Romania, we pl- spent a day just, like, playing. And we went and we rode these boats in the middle of a park in Bucharest. And they have an adult playground. It's, like, a playground for grown-ups. And that's this thing. And you, like, pull it. And it goes like that. And I ran around and played. And Brittany and our friend Maddie just looked at me. And they were like, we're like the mothers watching our child at the playground. <laughs> It was pretty funny. And Stefan is at the top, and he is just this crazy 16-year-old who we spent a lot of – he's a translator. He has seven brothers at home, and his mom is, like, taking care of her parents all the time. So there isn't – he doesn't have a lot of places to go. He's super smart. He speaks English and French and Romanian. He came to America, like, a couple months ago for this thing for a school, and he won a prize. I don't know. He's really smart, but – we hung out with him a lot because he speaks English so well. Can you go to the next slide? Last day in Romania, we took a lot of pictures with Robert and Andre and Johnny's the kid in the back. And I miss, Johnny is a bad kid sometimes, but we love him a lot. And they just took pictures with me, and it was fun. The next picture is there's just some more pictures of us saying goodbye to the kids and feeling like, it was bittersweet because you're taking these pictures and you're like, you love them a lot, but at the same time, you know that you're about to leave. Can you go to the next slide? And after I left, I just felt really, like, 
it was sad and happy, and I was just like, I had this awesome opportunity and met these awesome people and got to do these things that weren't exciting but absolutely wonderful. And I, I was sad, but it was like, I just thought that was kind of an appropriate way to feel. Like, you leave someone and you're like, this is sad, but I just am so thankful that I got that opportunity at all. Can you go to the next slide? So after that, one thing when the celebration was there, I talked to all these, like I said, I talked to all these kind of heroes of the faith, and I talked to this one guy named Peter Pinner, and I said, what advice would you give me? If you could give me any advice, like just give me one thing that you think I should know. And he said, he said, this is a quote that he did not say, but I do not know who said it. And he said, everyone is called to go. It takes a very special calling to stay. And so I started thinking about that a lot, about how like we're all called, Jesus calls us out and it's a special calling to stay. And I think we think of it as the opposite. Like we're like, I'm called to over here. And you're like, whoa, you're called way over there. But like staying is the hard, kind of hard. Can you go to the next slide? So I'm going to like talk a little bit about the missional life for like two minutes. Um, the, can you just zoom in on that verse or it'll go to it? There's this verse, the poor you will always have me or have with you, but you'll not always have me. But like I was thinking about that line, the poor you will always have with you. The, like the poor are always around us in our lives right now. And so we're not called like... I went to Romania and had this awesome opportunity to reach out to people who, like, don't have a lot. And I got to serve and wash dishes and just do whatever anyone needed me to do. And I was, like, I, it was awesome. And I was able to do this thing. But we have that same call in our everyday lives. I saw that a lot. There's these people at the church. And sometimes I'd be like, you have this awesome organization that you can walk to from your church, and there's these kids who need love and need help learning, and there's so many people at that church who don't even know that much about Project Ruth, and they go, and I was like, how is that even possible? But then I started thinking about how we're all like that in our staying lives, and so we stay in one place, and we get comfortable, and we think, like, I feel like this all the time. I'll be, like, at home, and I'll just get in a, be like, not as nice of a person at home because I know that my family is going to love me even if I'm not that nice. And so I think that in our staying lives, we're called to be on mission as well. And I think that's a hard thing to remember, but a very important calling. Can you go to the next slide? So Mother Teresa is pretty much my hero. And she said that these two quotes, one, the first one is what she said about the poor, and it said, they are Jesus, everyone is Jesus in a distressing disguise. And I think that, like, you see somebody who's, like, smells bad or who you're automatically, like, they're, sh- like, weird, I don't want to talk to them, but they're Jesus in a distressing disguise. Like, every, like, there's, it's not that everybody is Jesus, but everyone we're supposed to treat as we would treat Jesus. And I think that's really hard to do, but very important to remember. And then she said this other quote, which always sticks with me. It's easy to love the people far away. It's not always easy to love those close to us. It's easier to give a cup of rice to relieve hunger than to relieve the loneliness and pain of someone unloved in our own home. Bring love into your home, for this is where our love for each other must start. And so I kind of just want to encourage you all today, like I was able to take this awesome trip to Romania and it, it was great and inspiring and like I was able to do this thing for God, but now I'm back in my own everyday life and I'm not always good at being like the best 
sister or daughter or friend or the best Christian, but I think I'm still called to do that. And I think that quote about every, it takes a special calling to be able to stay is because staying is harder. And I think it's harder to be a Christian in your day-to-day life than it ever is when you leave. Because you can do anything for a month. You can, like, wash tons of dishes for a month and be okay with it. But, like, what if your whole life was, like, I'm going to wash dishes for Jesus? Or what if your whole life is, like, what if, you know, like, what if in your home, like, at home, I don't want to ever wash a dish. I look at the dishes and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pretend I didn't even see those. Like, I hate to wash dishes. And I, But in our staying life, we're supposed to be on mission as well. And so I guess that's kind of what I want to leave you all with and encourage you all in is that we're all called on mission in our comfort, in our normalcy, and everything we have now. And that is that is my saga of Romania. <laughs> Thank you, dear. I, and I know we're over on time, but I'll give you Quick chance here. Anyone have any questions for her? Briefly, anything? before we close we're going to close with the song Amazing um, or have a time we're singing Amazing Grace together and the altar be open maybe God's spoken to a heart and so stand let's sing Amazing Grace if you need to come to the altar if